The coronavirus pandemic would look very different without the internet. Streaming services and working from home are made possible by a pair of wires coming into homes across Canada. And as Canadians work from home and try to continue to shop local, online shopping for items like clothes to groceries has had an impact on the e-commerce sector. And both could be key to Canada's economic recovery. I'm Adam Toy. And I'm Dave McIver. And this is Why. The internet has been integral to many aspects of living with the coronavirus pandemic in Canada. Many Canadians couldn't work from home without the internet. Governments of all levels have been using video streaming services for their coronavirus-related press conferences. Streaming services have seen increased enrollments and there's been an arms race for content to fill the surge in demand. And podcasts like this one have seen a rise in popularity. And visiting friends and family has been forever transformed thanks to video chat services like Zoom or Skype. The organization that manages the .ca internet domain put out the results of a survey on internet use in Canada recently. And what makes this year's survey different is that they did it in March as the coronavirus pandemic really set in. Spencer Callahan is the communications manager for the Canadian Internet Registration Authority or CIRA. Thanks for your time, Spencer. No problem. Thank you. Speaking of time, you did a uh, a poll recently about and and published it as uh, part of Canada's Internet Factbook about how Canadians are spending their time uh, during the early part of this coronavirus pandemic. Just wondering, what uh, were some of the things that stood out to you that uh, as far as this survey goes? Yeah. So just a little bit of context. So we publish Canada's Internet Factbook every year around this time. Um, it just so happens that this is a uh, particularly unique year, and um, the polling results, the, sorry, the polling data actually uh, was taken in March. And so, um, you know, we got a pretty interesting snapshot of some of the ways that uh, things have changed uh, when it comes to, to COVID-19 and how Canadians are adapting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, there was obviously, uh, you know, some things stayed the same, but uh, some things changed quite a bit. Um, we saw that 54% of employed Canadians are now working from home uh, due to COVID-19. Um, we saw things like uh, a huge jump in people ordering food online. Um, so, for example, last year we asked this question and only 27% said they ordered food online, uh, whereas this year that number jumped to 53%. And so uh, that was a pretty significant, uh, pretty significant jump. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, there's definitely things that have changed um, since COVID-19 has come in. But, you know, Canadians were already pretty big Internet users. So in a lot of ways, uh, this is a continuation of, uh, you know, Canada's existing habits. You mentioned streaming. One thing that I found interesting is uh, in your survey, you found that two-thirds of people say they spend at least an hour per day streaming videos or audio online. But something that I found interesting in the graphs is that there seems to be an increase of the one to two hour range and the three to four hour range, like you've over the past five years, um, there's a, a, a seven percent jump of Canadians who are using streaming for video and audio uh, in for the three to four hour range. Yeah, and I think that reflects a couple things. Uh, one is just how many more options Canadians have now for streaming, um, and so um, you know. Obviously, it's not just Netflix anymore. It's also things like Spotify and Apple Music and all the different streaming platforms that are available. Um, you know, I think, you know, 
audio in particular is a big driver of that. If you think about people who listen to music during the day when they're working. Um, so I think that is a big, big driver. But really, I think the number one factor you're seeing there is just the, the amount of choice the Canadians have. I think, you know, we saw, uh, I remember we did a report a few years back um, where we saw that, uh, you know, the, uh, this was back when Game of Thrones was still on. And the number of people who were, for example, um, let's just say illegally obtaining Game of Thrones episodes was really large. And that's because that option wasn't available. But of course, now Game of Thrones is available for streaming on uh, in Canada. So I think one of the factors there is just there's just so many more options that it's easier to stream for longer now. Spencer, I did want to look at how news online is accessed. How was that changed from 2019 to your 2020 survey? Yeah, so I mean, I think the couple of the things that we saw with how news is accessed, um, one is that the amount of people who access specific news sites um, actually dropped. So in 2019, that number was 61%. Whereas in whereas this year it was 54 percent, but what we saw uh, and it kind of comes in drips and drabs. But what we're seeing, I think, is that people are less likely to go to you know a, a common site like a CBC or a CTV or Globe and Mail, and more likely to get their news through you know various types of aggregators. Um, so that would be things like social media or RSS feeds or other platforms. And so that was an interesting finding because that was actually a pretty significant drop. Uh, of, uh, you know, seven points in one year. And I think that just speaks to sort of how those news, those sort of central news brands in our lives have really sort of become less um, less emphasized amongst Canadians, whereas people are more likely to get their news through aggregators and, uh, and, and you know, through social media and other things like that. Uh, you mentioned that, that one place where, where folks were going to, Canadians have been going to more and more uh, for finding their news is social media. And um, I'm w- wondering about your survey response as far as social, or your survey results as far as social media goes. Something that, that stood out to me is that uh, there's a high number, or a, an increased number of people who view it as uh, Facebook is toxic. Yeah, so that was a, an interesting one. So one of the, you know, every year we try to tease out different themes um, based on sort of, you know, what's going on in the world. And this year, one of the things we really looked at was the impact of social media on sort of public discourse. And, um, you know, we found that uh, 41% of Canadians uh, indicated that Facebook was the most toxic platform that they use, um, you know, which was, which was interesting because... Um, we also saw that um, I believe it was uh, one, in th- one in three Canadians picked it as their favorite platform. So that's kind of an interesting, um, you know, an interesting dichotomy between those two things. Um, you know, we found that two thirds of Canadians felt, uh, sorry, only only 62 percent of Canadians felt safe from harassment on Facebook. And so that's really interesting because I think, you know, a lot of people, um, I think associate Facebook with, you know, families or, you know, I've got my uncle on there, my aunt on there or whatever. Um, and they maybe associate a network like Twitter with sort of the Wild West. But we actually found that people that Facebook actually beat out Twitter as the most as the most toxic platform. So it, I think it just goes to show that that underlying the surface of some of the interactions that are happening on Facebook is a lot of, uh, you know, negative, uh, negative vibe, toxicity, harassment and things like that. I mean, obviously, I know that Facebook has been having a lot of issues with that lately, and we've got the advertiser boycott that's going on right now, which actually Sierra has participated in. 
And, uh, you know, it's an issue that they're going to have to address because it seems like people are increasingly becoming frustrated with the level of uh, negativity that they find on that platform. Further to this social media discussion, uh, as part of your survey, what is it? More Canadians think using social media is beneficial than those who think it's harmful. It's almost a two-to-one ratio there. Most consider it neutral uh, to their mental health, despite what some studies that I've seen published as far as the, the deleterious effects of mental health, especially on, you know, on younger people. I, I'm wondering if you have uh, a theory or an explanation as to why most Canadians think that using social media is neutral to the mental health. Well, I mean, I, you know, that's a pretty broad subject because I think that, you know, you could dive really deep into, um, into you know, people's um, perceptions of mental health. I think, you know, you're probably dealing on one hand with a lot of people who just don't really want to be willing to admit that their mental health may be impacted or may be struggling. And I think, you know, as I think we've all seen with different campaigns that have that have gone on, there, there is still a pretty serious stigma around mental health. So, you know, I guess there'd probably be a relu- certain reluctance to admit that those platforms were, were having an impact. Um, but I think, you know, even if you, you know, even if you take these findings at their word, and I mean, you know, there are findings, and even I will admit, you know, as I'm sure everyone is aware, these findings are always, you know, it's a, it's a survey sample. We can only go with what the people tell us. Um, but I think even if you only go with the, the, you know, the sample that we have, you know, 16% of people who think it's harmful, that's a lot of people. And I think that, you know, these numbers shouldn't need to be overwhelming for us to decide we need to make a change and, and, and need to, to rein in some of the, the more negative aspects of these platforms. You know, I think the, the thing about, you know, I, I, I'm, in, I'm in communications, I'm on social media pretty much all day long as part of my job, and I find a lot of positivity on social media. Like, there's all kinds of positives. But, but I'm, you know, definitely aware of the fact that there is a lot of negatives and that um, those negatives are not evenly distributed, as we talked about a minute ago, where, you know, w- m- women versus men or people of color versus, uh, you know, versus um, uh, white people. So there's all kinds of areas there that I think we need to explore in terms of how to make these, these um, platforms more positive. So I think the amount of people who are, you know, either neutral uh, on these issues or saying that they're positive, um, I think that there's probably a good chunk of them who maybe are just not willing to admit or even able to recognize the negative impact that these things are having. And I think that, again, as, as someone who, who lives on social media on a daily basis as part of my career, um, I definitely need to sometimes check myself and, and you know, take a step back or unplug or, or, or basically uh, realize that, uh, um, that these things are harmful. So I think that it's important that everyone realize that, you know, I think at the end of the day, social media is as harmful or helpful as the people who are on it. Um, in and of itself, it's probably a neutral platform. But I think that we can do more to make, you know, to incentivize good behavior or, you know, positive um, interactions and, and more to prevent the negative ones. Spencer, I'd like to turn the page and uh, look at e-commerce. Pre-pandemic, e-commerce slowly gaining market share. What did your survey find about Canadians' online shopping habits and what kind of changes have we seen in the last year? Yeah, so I think I, one of the interesting things um, that we found is that, you know, there's certain behaviors that have, as I said earlier, that have uh, changed quite a bit and some that have stayed pretty pretty consistent. Um, and so, um, you know, if I'm just looking here, uh, you know, three in 10 prefer shopping online more than shopping, uh, more than shopping, pardon me, in stores, um, which is actually down from 20, from 2019. 
uh, where the number was 38%. So, I mean, obviously, you know, year to year, we can always expect, you know, a little bit of uh, margin of error change. But, um, you know, what I found interesting about that was that, you know, in the heart of the pandemic, people said they would prefer shopping in stores, which I think they're, they're, I'm not sure if that is an actual um, uh, preference or more of a wish, because <laughs> if you think that, you know, if, if you're in the middle of a pandemic, uh, you might you're, you might long for shopping in a store again. I know, um, you know, just the other day I, I went to a local store here, obviously with my mask on and, uh, you know, it, it's a bit weird, but there's definitely a bit of a, uh, a different experience to going into a store now than there was before. You might appreciate it a little bit more than you did before. Um, so that was that was quite interesting. Um, you know, I think um, what we, you know, we did um, uh, last month, and sorry, not last month, in May, um, as, I may as you may know, uh, we're the organization that manages the .ca, um, the .ca domain, uh, domain name. And one of the things that we found in the month of May was we actually had our, uh, a record number of registrations of .ca domains. So it was actually the, the largest month for registrations in our history. And so I think what we're seeing there is a lot of businesses are starting to, uh, obviously, because of COVID, are realizing that they need to be online. But the other really interesting trend that, that we saw, which I think might tie in with the stat that we talked about in Factbook, is that, um, you know, whereas before a lot of Canadians may have shopped on an Amazon or a Chapters or Canadian Tire or whatever, one of the things we're seeing is actually more Canadians embracing local e-commerce. So that would be, you know, your local store, you know, I live in Ottawa, just sort of down the road here, um, that you would typically walk into, but they actually now have an e-commerce built on top of that. And a lot of those stores develop that um, as a response to COVID because they, you know, they could no longer have people in their stores. So they wanted to do things like curbside pickup. But I think the other factor here is just the really the embracing of the of local, of local business. And I think, you know, uh, I don't think the, the, you know, the Amazons of the world have anything to worry about necessarily, but I do think that there is a bit of a change in how Canadians are perceiving um, shopping local and buying local. And I think we might see a bit of that uh, reflected in the numbers that we saw um, where, the, you know, the number of the preferred shopping and local in stores, uh, uh, sorry, preferred shopping online actually went down. So I think there's probably a correlation there. So, you know, one of the things about these numbers is we obviously, we, we see these numbers, we, you know, these are polling, this is polling data, so we don't necessarily get the ability to ask people why. The, they decided to, to, to make the decision that they did, but but I think that would be, uh, you know, th- those are some of the trends that we've seen in some of our other data. Which takes me to my next question. I, I assume CIRA is going to be doing a, a, another survey of this sort in 2021. Uh, do you expect these trends to continue to change? I know it's a forward-looking statement, and, you know, it, it, if it, <laughs> telling the future, you know, predicting the future is, is, is perhaps a fool's game, but um, wondering how you expect uh, the survey results to come up in 2021. One you've had a full year of Canada uh, with the coronavirus pandemic? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's an interesting uh, hypothetical. Um, I think that, you know, one of the things we've seen, you know, obviously, an organization like CIRA, we live and breathe the internet and have, you know, for decades. And so one of the things that we've definitely seen is um, how pretty much everything we do is that much more important now. Um, which is great. I mean, obviously, it's, it's really uh, fulfilling to work for an organization where what you do, what you do is, is that much more uh, valuable to, to society and, and that kind of thing. Um, I think that the, the um, you know, the, the factor that's going to really dictate things is, I guess, where we go from here in terms of coronavirus. Uh, 
you know, are, you know, do we end up in a lockdown situation again in the fall because of the second wave? Do we, you know, do, do things open up and then everything's good again? So I do think that there's a potential for those numbers to fluctuate based on essentially how the pandemic plays out. But the good news is that I think all of the positive trends we've seen in terms of the internet, I think most of those are here to stay, although maybe not to the same degree. So, um, you know, we may see a bit of a normalizing of some of those numbers next year. But I think that, you know, um, I think one of the positives I've particularly tried to take out of this pandemic, and it's really important to try to take positives whenever you can, is I think that we're realizing some areas where we had gaps in our society that the Internet could help fill or where we have gaps in our society that the Internet is not properly filling and what can we do more, right? And so I think, uh, you know, a good example there is, like, you, like we were talking about earlier, curbside pickup. I mean, um, you know, uh, for Mother's Day that, that was just passed in May, um, I did all of my shopping online, um, but I did all of it from local businesses and went and did curbside pickup. So I ordered online, drove down to downtown Ottawa, and did pickups at all those local businesses. Um, you know, the, that's a fantastic experience. I actually really enjoy that experience because I got the convenience of local, uh, of, of online, but I got to support a local business and I got to drive down and say hi to the owner because usually in most cases it was the owner in person and say thank you and, and you know, develop that connection. I think those types of trends are really positive and I hope they continue. Um, you know, but other things like, for example, and this isn't in fact book, it's in actually a report that we did a couple of months ago. You know, one of the things we found is that um, there is a huge gap in the Internet speeds that urban um, Internet users can access versus uh, rural. And so that's one of those things where we've identified a, a, a big issue where the Internet could help fix a problem there. So if you think about if you're in a rural community um, and your kids have to now learn from home or you want to do e-commerce or things like that, um, if you don't have access to fast, reliable Internet connections, um, you actually are at a disadvantage. So that's one area where I think that we can, you know, create some momentum and we've already seen some momentum around that. So I think that, uh, you know, uh, many of these trends are starting to, to improve and starting to, to con- and I, I think will continue uh, into the next year. But then there's others that I really hope go down, such as things like harassment on social media platforms. And unfortunately, there's not much that we can do about that. That really has to come down to either the platforms themselves doing a better job, um, the Facebooks of the world, the Twitters of the world doing a better job, or the government stepping in and, and doing something to, to perhaps uh, uh, you know, make that uh, mandatory or, or make it uh, you know, regulated in some way. Um, we, I don't really, I'm not here to tell you to say what the preferred solution is, but that's one of those ones where, uh, you know, I really hope that trend doesn't continue next year. I hope we see those harassment numbers go down, and I hope we see those toxicity numbers go down, because uh, I do think there's a lot of positives that we can, that we can um, take from social media, and, and I hope that we can, uh, you know, see more of the positives and less of the negatives a year from now. This is Why is produced by me, Dave McIver, and Adam Toy. It's a national radio show and a podcast. You can reach us by email, thisiswhy at globalnews.ca, and on Twitter at thisiswhy. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to This Is Why so you never miss an episode. We're available wherever you want to find your favorite podcasts, and while you're on there, give us a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you soon.